The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome everybody into another episode of the Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, it is about damn time. Seriously, Marcus, your your ranting helped. It I it might have been the ranting. I don't know what it is. Angie, before we even get into this, I know I already told you earlier, but I want these people to hear it as well, these listeners. So, <clears throat> obviously Oregon State's down, what, it's 31-3. I'm not in a good mood. I'm, like, flipping through the channels. I was like, it's whatever. But then I went back after, like, two minutes because I was like, well, I'm a loyal guy, so I have to at least watch to the end. Maybe something happens. And then, long story short, obviously they came back and won. Angie, I'm telling you, two things. One, I didn't know what to do with my hands. Like, I remember I was like, I didn't know if I was fist bumping or if I was high-fiving. Were you uh, by yourself? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was by myself. But biggest thing, I had no idea what to do. I was so excited and so juiced that I remember my roommate bought a – he, like, bought a pack of some beer. I don't even like beer. I don't drink beer. I had no idea what to do. I was so excited that they won. I just ran into the kitchen. I grabbed a beer and I chugged it. Home alone. They won. <laughs> I just chugged the beer. I had no idea what to do. It was like my first reaction. I don't even know why. But afterwards, obviously, I was like, well, that wasn't a good decision because now I feel full. But I don't know. Angie, that was a good game. I mean, that's second, that fun? That was, that's the kind of stuff that we want to see. <laughs> you know what? It's what the, the players need it. It's what the coaches need it. And it's what Beaver Nation need it. Seriously, to see that, that fight. I mean, I – so Eric was gone. My husband was gone golfing with his buddies this weekend over in Sun River. And so he texted me partway through the game. And my kid, my youngest son, who's a huge Beaver fan, he was at a friend's house watching the Beaver game. My oldest son is not a football guy. He was upstairs doing, you know, playing Xbox or whatever 13-year-olds do. <laughs> and um, I'm watching the game by myself. You know, we're live t- talking about it on Beaver Blitz. And my and Eric texts me and he's like, um, anything special going on in the game? I mean, I'm not thinking so since it's 24 to three. And I'm like, nope, same old stuff, same old stuff. And then that third quarter hits and it goes 31 three. And then it's like, they start like you, you felt this like shift. And it really, I, I was watching it. Eric wanted to watch the second half last night and you're watching it. And it really wasn't even until the fourth quarter where you, everything was going Oregon State's way. They were getting calls for them. They were connecting on everything. Luton was just picking them apart. And um, seriously, I like text him. I'm like, I don't know where you are right now, but you might want to turn on this game. <laughs> and he texted me like, actually, we're playing another round, but we're watching. We're, we're paying attention. And, um, just it, it was fun to see. It was just crazy because, don't get me wrong, we're not going to jump the gun and be like, it's all flipped. Everything's ready. Like, all right, let's start winning every single game. But, you know, Angie, though, I would just say those are the kind of games that, those are the program changes, and a lot of people, but I don't want to jump the gun because, like I said, my last game at Oregon State was when we beat the Ducks. So I'm yeah. like, this is a program changer. Next season they're going to a bowl game. I'm going to take credit for the flip, right, and then obviously everything happened. But those are the kind of games that, like you said, us fans needed, Beaver Nation needed, but, in you know, seriously for the players, especially the seniors, those that's something that they really needed, like – all jokes aside and everything, me chugging the beer, feeling fat afterwards, I don't like beer, blah, blah, blah. But these players, they really needed something like that because they've been through a lot. They've been through, obviously, three coaching changes, technically four if you're counting Coach Hall, 
you know, they've just been through so many losses, so much bad stuff that, that's happened in their college football career. You know, finally breaking through for a road Pac-12 game, you know, not just a Pac-12 game and just to find a win in the season, but against a really good Colorado team. Granted, they didn't have their best player, but who cares? I don't care. We still got the win. I know that, you know, a lot of Colorado fans were tweeting at me saying, you know, Marcus, we miss our receiver. I can't even pronounce his last name. And frankly, I was just like, I don't even care. You guys took an L, right? And maybe it wasn't the best way to go about it. But but regardless, like you said, Angie, they really needed that. And, you know, just as a former player, seeing stuff like that, you know, I had, like I said, I had no idea what to do. I was just so excited. You know, it's it's finally time that a, a streak like that, what is it, 22 games of taking L's on the road to a Pac-12 team. Like, that's the kind of stuff that obviously it's going to frustrate players, frustrate coaches, frustrate the Be- you know Beaver Nation in general because every time it's a road Pac-12 game, you're like, okay, well, I know what's going to happen. We're probably going to lose, right? And that's kind of the mindset that I think a lot of the players and a lot of Beaver Nation has had. But finally to get the win, Angie, I'm telling you, it's a good feeling. It is, and and I went back and looked. So the last time Beaver had won on the, the Beavers had won on the road was in Colorado on October fourth of twenty fourteen. So I went back. There were eleven guys on the roster then that are currently on the roster, and I don't think they traveled. They were all freshmen, and I think that would have been their redshirt season. So um, this is a group. I mean, my kiddo. I was trying to explain to him how big that win was because he didn't understand. I was downstairs. You chucked the beer, and I was downstairs like yelling at my TV. So um, <laughs> there was that, and my kid was like, he comes downstairs and he's like, what's going on? And I'm like. Lucas, do you understand? The Beavers just won. It makes writing so much easier. It's fun to watch them, and they're so happy. And he, he didn't quite understand. I said, have you ever done anything in your life that you have not been good at or have lost? No matter what you do, you lose. Yeah. Like, over and over. And he goes, no, have you, Mom? And I'm like, no, I really, you know, besides covering this team on a few different occasions where it's gotten rough, but it is. I mean, it is so grinding. And, and for them to, to win, I, I had some – um, contacts that texted me from Boulder this year, and they said the emotion was just pouring out of these kids right. and their families and, and, and fans. Every, I mean, tears abound, um, happy tears. So um, it's about time, and it, and it shows them now, those players, that, hey, the coaches know what they're talking about, and we do. We need to listen to them because, I don't know, as a player, Marcus, does it get, after a while of having coaches keep preaching the same thing and you're not seeing results, do you start to kind of question those coaches uh it just depends it just like okay. i said it just depends kind of who you are as a player how you were right how kind of you were brought up i would say into football and everything like that because you know there's a lot of parents frankly that parents players that if it doesn't go their way obviously who are they going to blame it's not they're not going to yeah. put the blame on themselves you know i would say that my mom always raised me that if it was you know right if i was doing something wrong i have to own up to it and be like, okay if i miss my block that's me Right. So what am I going to do to change that? How am I going to get better as a player? But I don't think these players really thought that because you could tell, right, if they really thought that, okay, we're getting tired of this. Oh, here we go again. Another down. You know, we're down again. Thirty one to three. Let's just hurry up. Hopefully they just run the ball. We can go home and then whatever. Right. But it's not like that. You could tell because they fought back and Colorado, they you know, they took their foot off the gas. They're like, okay, we already know how this goes. Coach McIntyre was like, okay. Let's just make sure nobody gets hurt. But frankly, you can't do that, right? This is these are power five schools. You can't do that. And even though Oregon State might not have the best talent, they're talented. Obviously, they're talented enough to come back, you know, thirty-one to three. But Angie, biggest thing for me was that second half defense. Holy yes. cow! 
That is, you know, I get that it they, that uh, Colorado was going a little vanilla, but I don't care because they played great. Like they played phenomenal. They, you know, and we talked about it off air, but it was guys doing exactly what they needed to do. And I think they were, you know, nobody was trying to be a superhero, right? They were like, okay, listen, I'm counting on you. For example, you maybe Key Wetzel, Key. We are counting on you to set the edge, right? You're supposed to set the edge and make sure nothing gets outside as outside linebacker on the line as a stand-up. From there, he, the running back or ball carrier is going to put his foot in the ground. He's going to get vertical. From there, you have a linebacker, linebacker to come take on the blocker, right? And then you have another linebacker to come in and clean up the play. And that's exactly what they were doing. It was, it was like textbook kind of stuff. They were doing their assignments. And we yeah. shouldn't be this excited about it, but I'm excited about it because that's a huge step, especially for a struggling defense. Yeah, and the defensive line, I mean – Seriously, they have struggled this entire season. I went, again, I went back and looked. This was the first game since Southern Utah that we have a D lineman that had five or more tackles in the game. Well, take that. <laughs> but, but that means they're doing their job, right? right. I mean, they're, they're able to. And then that makes everything easier for the entire rest of the defense. Right. And it really does because not only was it the defensive line and, you know, the linebackers, safeties, I thought the coverage was phenomenal. There was one play that, you know, I think it was Jalen Moore and Isaiah Dunn. There's absolutely nothing they could have done because the Colorado receiver made probably, you know, a top 10 college football catch this season, like a one-handed between two guys. Like, what are you going to do, right? At some point, you know, they're athletes for a reason. They're going to make big plays. But I thought the biggest thing was how they responded, offensively and defensively, though, because they responded so well. That was something that I really wanted to watch because – yeah, they started to make a, qu- a comeback and everything like that, but a good example is when uh, Jordan Jukari missed that kick. It happens, right? And I understand that there's a lot of people who are frustrated. My, me, myself, I was like, damn, like, that was it. Like, plays like that, you need to, like, you have to make so you can win. Yeah. But what did they do? They responded, right? And then, obviously, Colorado's kicker ends up missing a field goal, put him into overtime. Then Oregon State, frankly, Angie, they played great. That yeah. I mean, in overtime, they did everything they need to do, obviously, because they got the win. But I mean, they made they made stops. Yeah, we haven't seen this defense make stops all along. I, I told you off air that my my son that loves the Beavers, the ten year old, on the way to school today, he says, "Mom, the defense actually made stops." I mean, every other game this season, when defense goes in the field, I'm basically sitting there thinking, "Just let them score because you're going to anyway, and let's get the offense back on the field." Exactly. This is my ten year old, right? Yeah. So, um, Yes, and I do, just so you know, and Marcus, you were by my house the other day. I basically do talk Oregon State football, like, all the freaking time. Yeah. Because my kids want to talk about it. And then my <laughs> husband comes home, and he wants to talk about it. So not only do I talk about it on the pod and on the Beaver Blitz, we talk about it at home, too. So, um, no, they made us stop. I couldn't even – you know, I was I was so proud of them. Very uh, proud. They, I mean, they absolutely – I mean, they, they did so well. And I was – you know, I was extremely proud of all the players. I was happy for Coach Smith because yeah. – you know, there's and all the the whole coaching staff, the whole program, I should say, because you know, and you and when I say this, you can't blame the fans, right? Because we've been sitting here telling them, "Hey, just be patient. It's coming. Be patient. It's coming." Right? But after game after game after game, and I think especially after that Cal game, there's some fans thinking, "All right, Marcus. All right, Angie. You guys are telling us to wait because it's going to flip and they're getting better." But you see a performance like that, and you're like, "Okay, well, what's wrong?" Like, yeah, it has yeah. to be, is it the players? Is it the coaches? What is it? Like, are they not preparing as players or are they not preparing as coaches? 
And even myself, after that Cal game, I was like, you guys, like, you know, I can only, right, me and Angie can only put you guys, right, and keep these fans patient for so long until the yeah. wins have to start coming, right? But, but okay, that's, you know what, you called out the players last week. Right. I'm going to call out fans this week because, you know what, I haven't seen a home field advantage at Reeser in years. And I'm not saying that there's been a product on the field that you that has made it, you know, real desirable to spend your Saturday at, at research. But, you know, I'm going, I'm going to cut. You guys need to be there this Saturday. And I'm not saying they're going to beat USC, but USC is coming to town. It's a night game. And by God, they're beatable. I mean, they have injuries. They're not as good as, as you know, they might have looked before the season on paper. Um, and this team is ready to fight and they're fighting for you. So get your butts to research. I, I I will straight up tell you, I mean, I have Marcus, I've got Amy, we've got writers that are down in Corvallis. I don't need to be down there for a football game on Saturday in the press box. And I actually, after Cal, thought, 7 o'clock game, yeah, I'll just watch this on TV. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm, get, I'm getting my butt down there. Yeah. Even if I'm up in the press box, because there could be some excitement going on. And Beaver fan, I know, I get it, right? I get it. It's cold, it's wet, it's rainy. But, um, you know, I, I look at a school like Washington State same kind of stuff, even worse, right? I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Pullman sucks. <laughs> and you guys, they have passion. I, I watched them on game day and, and talking about, you know, once once you're, you've been a Coug and you've been to, to Pullman, it, it's in you. And you can't, you know, it, it's it's always in you. And it's just kind of part of who you are. And I kind of feel a kindred spirit with that with Oregon State. I think once you've been to Oregon State, once you've gone to school there, once you've played football there, it never leaves you. You're always a beeve. And, and seeing social media light up with former players on Saturday was awesome. But fans, come on. Yeah, we, I mean, the support. Exactly. Angie, I mean, you hit it right on. I mean, the support from the right. And that's the whole thing. That's how you get programs built. It's not just the players. And I get it. Yeah. Like you said, Angie, it's not. Sometimes it's not the most appealing thing to go to Reese on a Saturday, right? And watch them. Maybe they lose or whatever. I get that because I had to obviously be a part of some of those horrible losses. <laughs> but the fact that if you – like those fans that are still there, that still show up, they're like, hey, I've been a season ticket holder for however long. Yeah, they're struggling, but, hey, it's going to it's gonna flip eventually. That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, okay, like this is Beaver Nation. Those guys are – right, they're dedicated. and The ones that are loud on third down and get gets the team fired up. I mean, it does help, but – it does. I, mean, I want to see Reese rocking again, and we haven't seen that in in a long time. Yes, and these la- and here's the big thing to put in perspective for a lot of the people listening is that let's think they have they have USC at home, then they go to Stanford, and then they go to UW, right? And then UW, they have yep. and then they have Oregon one. at home. And you look right at the beginning of the season, and I was talking that to, was Murderer's uh, Row, right? Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about that in August. Yeah, Marcus, about this was going to be this awful November, and now. Now what do you think? Now it's now, and that's the thing. Now it's looking a little more appealing. Don't get me wrong; those teams, yeah, they've been struggling, but they're still good football teams. Like, let's not yeah, take it yeah. away. If Oregon State's going to beat them, they have to play like that second half football that they played against Colorado. And you know, here's the big thing: I was talking to Sprague about it today, and he was just like, "Listen, you are a hundred percent correct, right? Oregon State's been playing; they played a good second half. That's still a tough November." And, you know, yeah. we kind of we didn't go back and forth, but, you know, he agreed with me when I was like, but listen, look at it from this. It went from, okay, November, you're like, okay, hopefully we don't get blown out there or right there or right there. It's kind of still the same thing, but now you're looking at it like, 
these teams aren't as intimidating as we thought. Like, no. we thought they were, like, invincible. Like, after that Oregon-UW game, I was like, okay. Oregon unfor- might put up 100 on you. Right. And I was like, unfortunately, oh, Oregon looks almost unbeatable. But in these past two weeks, they have not looked good. They've been no. struggling offensively. Defensively, they're, they haven't been able to tackle. And it's the same thing. Like, UW, their offense has been struggling. Their defense is always pretty good, but offense struggling. I mean, they benched Jake Browning for a couple plays, and you know they can tell that they don't really have an offensive identity right now. Stanford's kind of hit and miss. I think we always play Stanford extremely well, no matter if it's at home or away. And then you know USC, they're struggling right now too. You know they, Clay Helton is on the. I would say he's on the fence, maybe about to get fired. Yeah, and they have a lot of injuries. They, I mean. Talent for talent, obviously, they're better than Oregon State, but they have a lot of injuries. I think they had, like, a list of – it was, like, 16 oh, players that yeah. were – I think they're down to one. So, Talanoa Hufanga um, broke his collarbone this on Saturday, so he won't be playing. They're down to one safety on scholarship. Right. One and... scholarship safety that's playing. So, But you know what? what's interesting, and, and we, again, talked about this off the air a little bit, it's amazing what happens when you get guys believing. Mm-hmm. And what I see right now is an Oregon State team, maybe not talent for talent is good – as the teams they're going to be facing, but they're a team that's on, they're believing now. They're like, whoa, we can do this. Kind of that giant killer mentality, whereas these other teams are not living up to expectations, and that's really easy to get down and fold. It is, and Angie, a big another big thing that I just want to bring up real quick for these fans is, like I said, I'm pretty close with these players, and Angie, I'm telling you, and we already said it, sometimes I think these guys actually listen to this because when Did I call them, I think so because – when I call them out, they always play better every single time. And I even tweeted that. I was like, listen, I get it. If some former player is talking to me like, come on, man, like step up your game. <laughs> what am I going to do? Obviously, I'm going to play better. And that's what they did. So I obviously won't name names. But I think I had four or five people after that game. I think it was like the first thing they did. They sent me a text and they just sent me like a little smirky, like sideways smile face. Like, all right, man, like. We heard you, and now look it like now it's coming together. And I'm okay, like, players. So Marcus is gonna like shout out again, and I will too. You know, <laughs> better get your act together and play like that second half. Right, and well, you're gonna have the wrath of the damn podcast on you. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> please prove me wrong. Keep keep yes. doing it. I'll put my yeah, name keep in. Proving wrong. I'll put my name in the dirt any day of the week if we get if we can you know win some more games. I don't even care. I'll put my pride aside for that. Uh, you know, that's so the entire staff, Marcus, you know, our Beaverblitz staff, we do our predictions each week. And it's been kind of a mixed bag. Well, this week, not one person chose Oregon State to win. And somebody called me out on it and said, you know, hey, Machado, you didn't pick the Bees. And I was like, would anybody have picked the Bees after Cal? And honestly, this is one I'm happy to be wrong with. I, you know what? It makes life so much nicer to write about a win. And we get to, we get to celebrate. We, we listed our 10 MVPs from the game and, that's fun, right? It's fun to celebrate a win and, and to write good things. It, it gets really old writing yeah. about everything that they did wrong or talking about in the pod about, you know, what they're doing wrong. So, it does. Yeah, for sure. But, Angie, a good thing for us, I should say Beaver fans and Beaver Nation, this is a great example of just how Coach Smith has changed this mindset. The very first thing I saw this morning and I think they have practices off on Monday. I don't know. Have, yeah, Monday's off. They have practices Monday's Monday off. And Monday off. Yeah. I went on social media and looked. I counted, I think it was 20-something guys 
were in the weight room lifting weights, like hard lifting. On Monday morning? Yes, Monday morning in the weight room, like lifting, like go, like trying to be sore, trying to, you know, break down their muscles so they can recover and be ready come, you know, Saturday against USC. That's huge. That's, That's huge. the stuff that I would, I have never seen that. The last time I saw that was, and talent for talent, we weren't there, but we had the right mindset, was, you know, two years ago, we beat the Ducks, we beat Arizona, we were almost in, basically in every single game, we could have beat a handful of those teams, UCLA, we could have beat, you know, uh, who else, we could have beat Stanford, we could have beat Minnesota, right, so we could have beat these teams, but that's the mindset that we had is, okay, yeah, we lost, or okay, we won, I know for a fact, as soon as that Arizona game was over, you were ready. Oh, yeah, we were ready. And the first thing that I remember, I seen Tristan DeCoud, I seen uh, Marcus McMarion, Devin Chappelle, Ryan Nall, AP. I was in there, Jalen Bailey. We went into the weight room and we were lifting, right? We went straight to the weight room that next day and we were lifting and we were getting ready. We went to Coach Simon, the strength coach. We were like, hey, I'm feeling this right now, but how do I counter it? How do I make sure that come Saturday when we play the Ducks, if they do kind of this stuff, what stuff should I do to prepare my body for that? And that's what this team's doing now. And that's yeah. what you need because that's how you change the program. A win like this, I won't say, well, like I said, completely flip the switch. All right, we're getting all these great recruits. We're going to win every game. But it gives the players just that much more confidence. Then from there, they're like, okay, it's not, you know, all hope is not lost. Okay, let's take another step. I'm going to make myself ready for this game Saturday against USC. Because USC, you know, we have a lot of guys from California, and a lot of these players, a great example, Cammie Dell. I know Cammie is on a whole different level of mentally ready because USC was, I remember USC was the school he wanted to go to so bad, but they told him probably as a preferred walk-on or maybe you're not good enough or, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll offer you a scholarship, but maybe you're not going to play. Regardless of whatever the story is, some of these players, like, these games matter to them. And I know for a fact, just a great example is Colorado. Colorado mattered for Jalen Moore, and you could tell. Yep, you could tell. And so, hey, Angie, I thought we – I was happy that we got to talk about this. I didn't think that I, there was – I know. <laughs> I, didn't I mean, think... I had pretty much written off the season. So, thank you. Thank you, Oregon State and, and Beaver fans. I, I Like I said, you needed this too. This wasn't just a celebration for the players or the coaches. This was for you too, and you guys needed this as well. So, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's good it's, for all of us. It's good for everybody. I mean, and, and tell me, Marcus, Just I, I don't like to talk about other programs, but it, did it give you a little – Bring in your step, you know, by Saturday night, later in the night, when you saw what happened to a couple <laughs> other, other teams. Yeah, I tried to be not biased because here at the station I can't yeah, be. Yeah. But uh, under the table. Just that little sideways smile. Yeah, that, that, little little side, that little sideways smile. You know, there's a couple people who, unfortunately, maybe they wear some different colors than I do every day. But that's yeah. okay because I just walked by them in the office today. Didn't talk smack. Just gave him a little head nod and a smile. And I was like, hey, it happens. I get it. <laughs> I understand it right happens. <laughs> so Jake Luton actually won Pac-12 uh, play, Offensive Player of the Week. That was uh, just popped up on my email here. Um, and somebody in the Logic Beaver Blitz said, that's one more Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week than Justin Herbert has. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I like I said, I try not to be biased because, unfortunately, know, know. unfortunately, my boss would be mad at me. So you guys, please don't be mad at me. Trust me. 
I know for a fact in my last game when I played, I don't know if I've ever, one, cussed so much or talked so much smack in my life. I remember there was a opposing team's fan who was, I just have so, I, I don't know. Last time, you know, there's just, there was too much. I can give you guys all the stories in the world. I'll give you a quick one. <laughs> Real quick. Just, oh, wait, wait. This, this is good because somebody, one of our fans on, on Twitter, um, Andy Portman, had wanted us to do a Marcus's bedtime story. So this is kind of a fun little Marcus's story. This Let's is hear it. okay. Yeah, this is a bedtime story. So was it 2015? <laughs> I think we were at Autzen Stadium, and we yes, almost would have been at, and we almost came back and won. That was that game. I think that Civil War. I'm pretty sure when the Ducks had Vernon Adams and blah blah blah. Anyways, okay. So I'm sitting here like, all right, it's a rivalry game. I'm excited for it. You know, I get a you know, it's always fun to play in them. Start jogging out for warm-ups, and I was like, all right, this is cool. And I was like, oh, I forgot. I think I forgot, like, my hand warmers. I don't know. I was kind of being a pretty boy. So I ran back inside, ran back out because the game was super cold. It was a cold, like, sunny day. And I start running back out, and I remember my cleats were super loud. And I don't know what the hell this guy was doing. I don't know. Whatever. He just poured the fattest beer on my head all over me. Like, all over. Like, I was walking out, and I, like, was jogging because I was in a hurry, and then I started walking. As soon as they, they see me, there's, like, two or three people just pouring beer on my head. And I was like, I won't say the words that I said to them now, but, uh, yeah. So, watching, you know, every once in a while, seeing stuff like that, it makes me, uh, that happened this last Saturday, it makes me remember that moment, and I want I don't want to feel bad, so I don't. But then I remember that, and it makes me feel that much better. So it wasn't really a bedtime story. Just letting you know, if I get beard poured on me again or beer poured on me again, regardless, you know, who we're playing, I might have to uh, fight. But uh, it's a good thing that the Ducks lost. I just said it, I know. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Angie, before we get to the damn questions, let's just hit on this point real quick. Jake Luton came out, and I know we have all been, I don't want to say skeptical, but, you know, it's just inconsistency from the quarterback in general. It's not, you know, if you're looking at it from afar, you can't really blame us, right? Because it's it's sometimes Connor looks really good. Sometimes Jake doesn't. Sometimes Jake looks really good. Sometimes Connor doesn't. Sometimes both of them don't look good, right? And same thing with Jack Coletto. You throw him in there as well. But Angie, he came out, and he played one hell of a second half. He did. I mean, I, you know, and when he came limping out, so I had, like I said, somebody was in Boulder and one of our subscribers and texted me, you know, at when, uh, you know, half, right. So they had just scored that 75 yard run and he texted me and he said, Hey, it looks like Jake's coming in. He's taken off the little blue Jersey and his helmet's on and he's warming up. So I posted it in the lodge and we were, we were talking about it a little bit. And, uh, when he went, when they showed him on TV, go trotting out to the, to the huddle, he was limping, and I'm like, oh, holy hell, no. <laughs> I mean, Coletto had only been sacked, like, what, five times already? And I, and he's mobile, so I'm like, oh, goodness, this is not going to be pretty. But whatever reason, the O-line, you know, stepped up. And, and I think a lot of that, and, and we have some questions about that, but he just made really quick decisions. He got mm-hmm. the ball out quick. Um, and I, we went to, and you and I have been talking about this for weeks now, just those – I mean, they went downfield some, but we saw a lot of those chunk plays, just getting it out, getting 5, 10, 15 yards, and moving the chains. Right, and that's what that's what they really needed to do because 
maybe in I don't want to say it was on the coaching staff because I think the coaching staff offensively have done great jobs of getting yeah. right the ball into the right player's hands or in the right situation, but it's just the players executing. And I don't want to say Connor didn't do it because I think he did. I mean, yeah, it, maybe he's not the coming out. He's going to kill you with his arm for 300 yards, but he's he's a guy who will do the right things in order to put your team in the right position to win, I would say. And maybe some people disagree. Maybe you agree, whatever it is. But Jake came out, and, you know, this is the first time in a while, maybe in, what, two seasons, that we've finally seen a quarterback come out and take the initiative and put the game on his shoulders and put the exactly. offense on his shoulders and finally lead them to a victory because – he was making the right throws. He found everyone at the right time. The timing was fantastic. You know, not to mention Isaiah Hodgins is like on a whole different level of playing right now. But they just okay. And thank, okay, that and we've talked about him. You called him out a few times, and that was really his coming out party. Because seriously, that's how I've expected him to play all along. And we've seen spurts, but nothing consistent. And he played extremely well. And then one other guy I want to just quickly say hats off to because I've been very critical is Ellie Wyden. Yes. Big fella made plays. And you know what? Proud of you, Ellie. That was awesome. That's exactly. Angie, I know I texted him too after we uh, had the little, that one, I don't even remember what episode it was, but we were calling everybody out and I was kind of going on a rant and I was like, man, like, what are you doing? You could do this. Like, you could be this good. And I remember I texted him and I wrote down the two-minute or three-minute long thing where I was just talking about him. And I was like, go listen to this. If you have nothing to do, go listen to this. And then he texted me. He was like, all right, bro. Like, if that's how you feel, all right. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I was like, please do. Go. Go do it. And this is exactly – and, you know, it happened. And once it happened, he sent – I don't know if you know the little, like, 100 emoji. And yeah. He, he sent me that. That's the only thing he sent. Didn't didn't send me a smirky face, no nothing. <laughs> Just texted me a hundred emoji. I was like, all right, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Right? You did it right. But yeah, hats off to him too. He he played a great game and you know, this is and this is Angie, maybe a topic for another time, but this always brings me back to these moments where I'm like, is Oregon State really that far behind in talent? And certainly we numbers wise, you said they are, and I believe you hundred percent. But it's just the fact that this is like the Oregon, like this is the Oregon State thing. Like this is the Oregon State brand and tag. Like, yeah, we're not going to have the best players, but we're going to work harder. We're going to play harder than you. And then it's going to come out in a win because I think Colorado recruits better guys or talent wise, they've gotten better guys in these last couple of seasons where they've been successful. But well, I'll tell you, I mean, when you look at talent, you don't, I mean, Oregon, I mean, check out UCLA. Uh huh. They're loaded with talent. Yeah. And they've won some games. So, um, no, I, I agree. I, I think Oregon State is lacking in depth, and, and they are. They're not going to match up with some of these guys, maybe head-to-head, especially in the trenches. But what we saw is that fight, and you can't put you know put a price tag on that. Exactly. It, it reminds me a little bit of that 98 Beaver team. And, you know, Marcus, I think you were probably like a baby then. but um, <laughs> I certainly was. That, that 98 Beaver team, you know, you looked at that team, you know, Jonathan Smith or Ken Simonton and – and these guys that maybe weren't highly recruited, and but they played so hard with so much passion and so much energy that they were able to make some things happen. And that really flipped. It flipped Oregon State. And I'm hoping that, you know, we look back on this Colorado game as that moment in the future for Oregon State. Oh, absolutely. And I just hope that when we see it, right, or in the future, we're like, okay, 
this is the kind of stuff that happened to get us in the position that they are, you know, maybe in the future of maybe a Pac-12 championship or winning 10 games or whatever it is. But I'm just excited to see it. You know, Angie, I will say I don't want to get too high and hyped on this because don't get me wrong. They were down 31 to three. So they had to figure some stuff out and, Hopefully and they gave up 536 yards of offense. Right. There's so, always improvement, but yes. And so we have to we have to hit those points real quick. Of you know they did struggle on defense the first half. Offense is out of sync. Um, you know. Yeah, deep, I just don't. Yeah, the least listeners don't need to think that we're all um, you know rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, and it happens, but we're not going to focus on that because you know they played a great game, and I I don't know if anyone here listens to like. Stephen A. Smith or something like that, but I can't stand listening to him because no matter what happens or like Skip Bayless or any of those big time guys who like right, they they always focus on the hot takes and the negatives, and I don't care. I don't even want to hear it because Angie, the Beavs got to win on the road. They snapped twenty two game losing streak. I chugged a beer. Uh, you were yelling at your TV. <laughs> it was a good game. It was a good it time. Was. But uh, Angie, if there's nothing else, should we do some damn questions? Let's do some damn questions. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay, Marcus, so I've got the first one. You ready? Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. Okay. So on Beaver Blitz in the Lodge, um, let's see, Creeder W. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. These Some of these handles are really hard. Um Colorado had a handful of sacks in the first half, but only one in the second. Luton seemed to get rid of the ball quickly. Was there a difference in play calling, or does Luton just make his reads faster? If um, if so, how do Blount and Coletto speed up their reads and decision-making process? Uh, I just think it was a whole, as I mean, offense as a whole, right? And so I think what makes it so hard to sack someone like Gardner Minshew, right, at Washington State is that all of – all of the routes that Washington State's receivers run and their whole offensive system goes is it's quick. So if this guy's not open, you know this guy's going to be open. Or if this guy's not open, you got to toss it here. But it's the fact that Oregon State ha- hasn't had a quarterback who will quickly make those decisions because I think the offense that we run is really good. It's really good for this personnel that we have. But Luton certainly, you know, he just found a way to get the ball out super quick. And I think offensive play calling was perfect if they're in man um you do you know hitches you do slants you do digs stuff like that quick routes to for one-on-one coverage that makes it tough for a corner to really be in the right spot at the right time and really the only way that the play would be broken up is if the quarterback a doesn't make the pass in the right timing or throw it in the right spot or b it gets knocked down right so that's basically it so i just think i think coletto and Blount can do that. They just have to speed up the read process of knowing, okay, if this guy's not open, then I have to go here. Or if this guy's not open, I have a safety valve over here. So that's, I mean, that's my, that's what I would assume that the, because it was so that experience though. Would that be more? Uh, I just think it's, it's knowing exactly where your guy It's trusting and knowing exactly where your guy's going to be at, you know, right at the exact same time. And it's just, okay. and Jake just does a, a great job of, with the size he has of delivering the ball super quicks and not having to worry about maybe not seeing a guy, for example, because what is he, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, compared to Blount, who's six foot, right? And it, it yeah. does make a difference, unfortunately. I, I know that feeling all too well because I'm short. But 
Um, <laughs> Angie, this one is uh, for both of us, I would say. <sighs> I always butcher these names. Marco Dalla Gasparina. If I did good, I pre- I mean, thank you ahead of time. But uh, <laughs> this question is, how do we make sure the second half versus Colorado uh, – oh, excuse me. How do we make sure the second half versus Colorado Beavs are the ones that show up for the upcoming games? Angie, do you want to go first? You know, I, I don't know if there's really anything that needs to happen necessarily because now this team knows, right? Mm-hmm. They know that feeling. They know what they were giving. I, I think someone like Elu might have thought all along he was giving it his all when, in essence, he still had an ounce more to give. And I think that those guys see that now. They're like, wow, I've been pushing, 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 thinking I'm giving it my all, but I can give that extra little, you know, whether it's a one-handed grab, whether it is that, you know, getting your hand an extra centimeter up to block a kick. Um I, I think they have that taste now, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to take any extra motivation. Definitely. And I would I mean, I mean would say it's that too, but it's also just trusting in, you know, trusting your players and trusting your, your, you know, your teammates because that's the biggest thing I think that, especially defensively, that happened. And even offensively. Defensively, like I explained early in the podcast, it's just I'm going to do my job as well you know, perfect as I can, and then the next guy will do his job as perfect as he can. And then that's how you work as a well-oiled machine. Same offensively. You know, Jake trusted someone like Isaiah Hodgins to make a catch in the back corner where only Isaiah can get it, right? And mm-hmm. Isaiah was there to do it, and he did it. And it's just when the opportunities present themselves, I mean, present themselves, you have to be able to take them. And that's what Oregon State did in that second half against Colorado. So they just have to keep that up and, you know, come USC – come Stanford, Washington, Oregon, they just have to trust their teammates and really be when the, you know, when the plays present themselves, they have to take advantage of them because there is no magic wand that we can just be like, all right, they got the win. And so let's wave this wand. Then everything's going to be perfect again. Yep. And then hopefully, you know, that's just it. It's putting together that whole 60 minutes. So HK007 asks, question on the player's helmets. What is that sticking out of the beaver's mouth? Is that a hockey stick? If so, why? So HK007, I had to go take a look closer, and it there's nothing coming out of the, the beaver's mouth on the helmet sticker. It is actually the little vent on top of the helmet. I don't even That's remember one. that. I don't know. I had to go look, and then I was like looking at the pictures. Going, oh, what is that? I had to zoom in. It's the little vent. Um, Mega Max, Mega Man X says, we have a reeling USC team coming into Corvallis who is towards the bottom of the conference in, de- in defensive statistics and has been poor on the road. If Luton is healthy and can play, could the Beavers make it two in a row? I would love to see that, right? And we can never tell because you never know what Oregon State team is going to show up, unfortunately. And yeah. they're just not mature enough to be at a point where you can expect a certain team to show up. And that yeah. it's the same thing with, you know, the Ducks, right? So they beat Washington. You're like, holy cow. Like, this team is on a whole different level. But then they travel, and they look like a completely different team. And it's, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. Sometimes you get that Oregon State team against Washington State where you're like, they're in it till the fourth quarter. And then and Gardner mentioned. Them right. And then you they get blown out against Cal, who, you, who especially me, I was like, they're getting this win. I think everyone yeah. thought they are going to get the I win. So. Not, yeah. We just don't know what team's going to show up, if right? If it's the second half of like Colorado, is that inexperience? I would say that's yeah, that's inexperience. It's just okay. you have to come to every game prepared. How you know that's why someone like I don't know 
all the Alabama's players. That's why they're always good because they're so used to, they're so experienced in winning and they know yeah. how to win that when they do, it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. But Oregon State, they just don't understand it yet. So yeah. they have to, you know, maybe they have to change their mind, you know, their mentality in practice. Maybe you have to change it in what they eat, how they prepare, what they're watching in film, whatever they're doing, right? They just have to figure out the right recipe that they can all click on the same level and really be a well, well-oiled machine and get a win. Angie, I have a good question here. This is for both of us as well. Um, this is from PL Martin 68. All your ranting worked. I say more Marcus hashtag more Marcus. I'll take that. All right. At least someone enjoys it. Wow. Um, <laughs> what, what? You're going to make his head grow even bigger. <laughs> Question. Uh, how did winning affect the practice this upcoming week? More or less focus for Oregon state. Well, they only had one practice. So that was yesterday. Um, and it looked like they had fun. So they actually had a family. It was, they invited all the coaches, uh, wives and kids, and those kids came in costume, like their Halloween costumes and brought big goodie bags for all the players. And then they went, um, across the, you know, that was in true acts and they went over and had a victory dinner with the family. So kind of a fun, you know, bringing that family atmosphere back and a way for those coaches too to see their families. They don't see them a whole lot during the season. Um, but, I, you know, last week I actually heard some really good things about practice, and, and obviously that showed. So hopefully they can keep that up. Um, like I said, obviously they did not go today, Monday, and they'll practice again tomorrow. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Okay, so Matt Chiafoni has a bunch here. Okay, he always yeah. does. And he, he's upped his um, Juco D lineman now. He wants to know if we're going to get 10 to 12. Off. <laughs> Matt, you're so funny. You're so funny. Um, I still say they're going to get a couple, two to three. Um, Sion Aussie is one to keep an eye on. He is at Snow College. He did. He was one of the secret. He was a, a secret visitor um, this, the past weekend at Cal. So Juco D lineman. Um, but he asked. I mean, he had a whole bunch. He said, with Luton's season-ending injury last season, would he have any shot at a medical redshirt? I think. And you know what? Eric and I were just talking about that last night. So I think he possibly could. Yeah, I think At he least could. apply for it. Um, everything I'm hearing, though, um, Jebby is the guy for next year. But um, gosh, it wouldn't be bad to have Luton back as a as a backup. Right. Um, and then, will the AD be smart and create ticket and ticket incentives to bring as many fans as possible to Gill for basketball season? Um, I'm, I'm hearing good things about basketball. I haven't completely transitioned to basketball yet. Beaver Blitz has. Um, we've been covering the games already in the in the preseason stuff that just kicked off. But um, you know. They actually could put up a lot of points this year and be decent. Yeah. I think I uh Angie, I can't play football anymore, but every yeah, once in a while that. every once in a while I go down twenty four hour fitness and I can put up some points. And, you got some uh, hops? Not anymore with these old man knees, but uh oh. <laughs> Angie, I have a I have a really good question. And, a really good one. Yes, this is from uh Dan Beaver one. He has where he says Washington's offense is not what it has been in the last few years. Is Washington and Browning missing Jonathan Smith, or are there other reasons for their slide? That's a pretty good question. It's a pretty good question. Um, on paper, I, I think they're pretty mi- they're missing Smith, but they've also had some injuries and things that are also, uh, you know, John Ross being gone too is, is a pretty big one. Right, and I think a lot of people, and even myself, I didn't realize how good right like Dante Pettis and John Ross were until. Not only They're we gone. played them, obviously, but when yeah. they left, because the thing with Jake Browning, I think Jake Browning is actually a really good quarterback, but he just relied too much on, like, 
the ability of his player. So if he needed to be bailed out, what do you do? Okay, throw it to the fastest guy to ever run a 40. Exactly. Right? You just yeah. bomb it as far as you can. He's going to outrun everybody. Same thing with Dante Pettis. He had great body control and great hands. All right, you're ba- you need to be bailed out, so you start scrambling to the right. Dante Pettis is running towards the sideline. Just place it you know, in a three-yard radius for the sideline, and he's going to tiptoe and make the catch. So, yep. but from what I've heard, you know, I have some, I don't want to say sources because that sounds like I'm official, but I'm not. But uh, <laughs> Jake Browning and Coach Smith had a really good relationship. And then so once he left, right, it's hard to adjust to somebody new that you've put so much, you know, you've put so much trust and time in, especially at the quarterback position. So when your coach leaves, you're just going to struggle. And Coach Smith is a obviously a fantastic offensive mind. So, and we could see it with his Oregon State team, what he's starting to do and him and Coach Lingrid. But yeah, that's I would say Coach Smith is a big chunk of what happened, but also is the lack of talent that they have at receiver now. And Miles Gaskin is hurt. Yeah, exactly. Angie, good questions. Those are good questions. Do you have anything else before I was trying Red to? And blue. Actually, here's one for you. Um, yes. And I know that our O line, our resident O line expert, is going to be weighing in here shortly, but. What changed along the offensive line in the second half? What changed along was the coach, Was it coach, Beaver coaching adjustments, or did Colorado just get more conservative? I think it was just coaching adjustments. I didn't really see – I'd have to go back and watch before I do the complete breakdown and the takeaways that I usually do. But, uh, Angie, I really think that the biggest thing was the fact that the players you – you can never underestimate how it is when a player finally buys into his assignment, especially at the offensive line. Like, I think it's just more communication. They were probably pissed off because they were getting their ass kicked. Like, let's just, yeah. you know, let's just be real. And then they turned that anger and fire into, uh, into you know, they threw it into their play, and you could definitely tell. They just looked that much better. And players just knew their assignment, they did their assignment, and they trusted their teammates. And I think that's the biggest thing and why we saw a big difference in that comeback win. Good. Good. Yeah. Angie, before we go, we always have to do a score prediction. Have you thought about oh, it? Oh, I haven't thought about it. So, um, goodness. I, I still say SC wins. Okay. I am going to say SC 34, Oregon State 21. I said I was going to say 37-21, USC. As, please prove me wrong. Again, the players played super well against Colorado, but they did, they dug themselves a big hole. But uh, I think if that second-half team shows up, we might both be wrong, Angie. But Exactly. Until I see some more consistency with winning and, right, we see yeah, I, Beaver Nation at full force, I just don't think they have enough right now to beat USC. But if they do, I would be extremely happy for them. Heck, prove us wrong. Yes. See another, you know, USC doesn't usually they, – they've struggled in the past coming up to cold, rainy Corvallis on a, on a November day, so – Yes, they have struggled. I know I would struggle, too, if I got to live in sunny L.A. But, Angie, thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day. You know that. Hey, thank you for taking time out of your day. <laughs> I don't really do much. I was probably just going to go to the gym and maybe go drink a beer now. After I did that, I was like, you know, this isn't too bad. So, <laughs> but Oh, and, and for our listeners to know, so back in the day, I used to love my candy, and I've, I've weaned myself off candy, but I would bring 
like bags of candy to the press box, you know, to like get my myself and all my coworkers like through the game. And Marcus would like look at me through like these disapproving eyes, like I don't eat candy, I don't eat sugar. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Angie. So you hear Marcus talking about drinking a beer? It's freaking rad. Yeah, this is uh, this is like this new is something territory. new. Yes, this is new territory. But uh, hopefully anybody listening will uh. Left. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> if there is anybody listening, just want to say thank you guys again for listening to another yeah, episode the of the Damn Podcast. We will be there Saturday. We hope to see you guys there. And uh, if someone is like screams Marcus and then like tosses me a beer, I'll probably drink it with you. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's hear some tailgates, people. That any of our listeners have some good tailgates? Marcus, Amy, and I will be in effect. Yes. Before the game. And uh, reach out. Yes, What's reach up, out, and hi. if you offer me some food, I can give you, how about this? You offer me food, I give you a good story. How about that? We can make there a trade-off. Go. And so hopefully by the time I'm done tailgating, I'll probably be asleep in the press box, but that's okay, because <laughs> I'll be so full. But uh, anyways, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. We'll be back next week on Monday. Of course, we'll talk more beef, so thank you guys.